Welcome back to another edition of the Dream On Podcast, where we go back to February of 2022 for the Dream On Conference. It's here, Pastor Daniel Lucian gave the second keynote of the day titled Resurrecting Dead Dreams. This message was a transformational one for everyone who attended the conference, and we wanted to share it with you all today. Pastor Daniel Lucian serves as the lead pastor at Fostoria Church of God. He's an international speaker and a Dream On event coordinator. We hope you enjoy today's episode. If you have your Bibles, would you open with me to 2 Kings chapter 4? And I want to read a passage of scripture to you, and I want to talk to you this afternoon about resurrecting dead promises. There's a story in scripture in 2 Kings chapter 4 that I think you'll find very interesting. And I'm going to skip through some of it as we go here for time's sake, but it starts in verse 8. One day, Elisha, the prophet, went to the town of Shenem. A wealthy woman lived there, and she urged him to come to her home for a meal. And after that, whenever he passed that way, he would stop there for something to eat. And she said to her husband, I'm sure that this man who stopped in from time to time is a holy man. Let's build a small room for him on the roof and furnish it with a bed and a table and a chair and a lamp. And then he will have a place to stay whenever he comes by. And one day Elisha returned to Shenem and he went up to this upper room to rest. And he said to his servant Gehazi, tell the woman from Shenem I want to speak to her. When she appeared, Elisha said to Gehazi, tell her we appreciate the kind concern you have shown us. What can we do for you? Can we put in a good word to you, to the king or the commander of the army? No, she replied. My family takes good care of me. Later, Elisha asked Gehazi again, what can we do for her? And his reply, she doesn't have a son and her husband. Now listen, this is a paraphrased version. <laughs> her husband is an old man. Call her back again, Elisha told him. And when the woman returned, Elisha said to her as she stood in the doorway, next year at this time, you'll be holding your son in your arms. No, my Lord, she cried. Oh, man of God, don't deceive me and get my hopes up like that. But sure enough, the woman soon became pregnant. And at that time, the following year, she had a son, just as Elisha had said. And one day when her child was older, he went out to her father. He went out to help his father, who was working with the harvesters. And suddenly he cried out, my head hurts, my head hurts. And his father said to one of the servants, carry him home to his mother. So the servant took him home and his mother held him in her lap. But around noontime, the Bible says he died. And she carried him up and laid him on the bed of the man of God. And then she shut the door and left him there. And she sent a message to her husband. Send one of the servants and a donkey so that it can hurry to the man of God 
and come right back. I'm going to skip down to verse 28 because it talks about her journey back to Elisha. And when she found Elisha, then she said, did I ask you for a son, my Lord? And didn't I say, don't deceive me and get my hopes up? And then Elisha said to Gehazi, get ready to travel and take your take my staff and go. Don't talk to anyone along the way. Go quickly and lay the staff on the child's face. Verse, jump down to verse 31. And Gehazi hurried on and laid the staff on the child's face, but nothing happened. And there was no sign of life. And he returned to meet Elisha and told him, the child is still dead. And when Elisha arrived, the child was indeed dead, lying there on the prophet's bed. And he went in alone and he shut the door behind him and he prayed to the Lord. And then the prophet lay down on the child's body and he placed his mouth on the child's mouth and his eyes on the child's eyes and his hands on the child's hands. And he stretched out on the child and the child's body began to grow warm again. Elisha got up, he walked back and forth across the room once, and then he stretched himself out over the child again. And this time the boy sneezed seven times, opened his eyes. You see, the boy was once again alive. I wanna to talk to you this morning about dreams. And what you do when a dream dies and how we resurrect, resurrect those dead dreams. Sometimes a dream will die before it becomes what God destined it to be. Now, I want to tell you guys something. I like it when you talk back at me, so you're okay to throw anything you want but food at me, okay? <laughs> Sometimes a dream will die before it becomes what it is destined to be. I want to give you some examples. Steven Spielberg, anybody ever hear, heard of that guy? He was rejected by the University of Southern California and the cinematic arts multiple times before he became successful. You ever hear of R.H. Macy? R.H. Macy had uh, several had a series of failed retail stores before he actually developed and launched the Macy's retail store that we know of today. Several of his retail stores failed before Macy's came to life. Harold David Sanders was fired from dozens of jobs before founding the successful restaurant we know today called Kentucky Fried Chicken. Vincent Van Gogh sold one painting in his entire <laughs> lifetime. After Harrison Ford's first small role in a movie, an executive grabbed him and took him into his office and sat him down to explain to him that he would never be successful in the movie business. Lucille Ball appeared so many times in second tier films that she earned the name the queen of B-rated movies before she became a star. Theodore Seuss Geisel 
was uh, better known as Dr. Seuss, had his first book rejected 27 different times before somebody received it and published it. There was a, a young man by the name of Henry Ford who ruined his reputation with a couple of failed automobile businesses before he developed the Ford Motor Company. What about WD-40? Does anybody know what the 40 stands for in WD-40? They attempted 39 times to develop the lubricant before on the 40th time they got it right. What about uh, while developing his vacuum, Sir James Dyson went through 5,127 failed prototypes and his, and, and his savings, his complete savings over a 15-year time. And today, Dyson Vacuums is worth over a billion dollars. What about Walt Disney? Walt Disney is the one who invented the magical world that we know today. Yet Disney did not have an easy start. At the age of 21, Walt was fired from his job at a newspaper, get this, because he lacked imagination and he didn't have any good ideas. <laughs> After that, Disney went on to, Walt Disney went on to, to, to buy his own animation studio that went bankrupt until he moved to Los Angeles and he created the iconic Mickey Mouse, what made Disney what it is today. How many here today have ever been in a place where you felt stuck? Let me see your hands. And like you, you, you know, you have to understand, like you, many of us have had dreams that have seemed to stall out or seem impossible. Maybe you're in a place where it looks like the dream has died. Maybe you're here, you showed up here, you barely pulled yourself into this room today and you just feel like the dream is dead or the dream is failing or everything that you felt God wanted you to do and just... Whatever happened this week, whatever happened in the last month, you drug yourself to this conference and coming to this conference, you might not have even been excited about being here because you thought the dream was dead when you walked through the front door. How many here have ever been in a place where you felt stuck? I know a young pastor, um, a young pastor friend of mine, they always say that a short-term pastor always follows a long-term pastor. And he was placed in a church where there was a pastor that had been there for 40 years. And he walked into the church with dreams and vision and hope. And the pastor that was there was there for 40 years, but the church was in decline. And, and, and this young pastor came in believing that this declining church was going to get turned around and was going to go in the right direction. And after uh, over a year, he, he kind of faces the music and sees that the church is not all, only dying, but the church is all but dead. And so he sets the congregation down and he talks to them and he tells them and explains to them, you know, the, the very little amount of congregation that was left. There was just a handful of people. And he said to him, he said, you know, we've got to close the church. The church, the church has done well for so many years, but, but now it's time for the church to close. And here's what the, with just the small handful of people that were left said to them, said to him, they said, it's okay. We've been waiting for many, many years for the church to close. We knew this day would come. You see, that pastor was pastoring a church that was waiting to die. 
Some of us are, are living and holding on to dreams that we're just waiting to die. They just feel like they're going to die. Am I the only one in this place that feels the Holy Ghost and understands that God is here to breathe life into some dead dreams? Come on. So many times a dream will die before it succeeds. I remember when uh, God sent my wife and I to a small little city in False Story, a place that not many people uh, were, were on the waiting list to go to. <laughs> and so we, we showed up and um, I was full of dreams. I was full of vision. I'm passionate. I, I'm a visionary. I've got these great big ideas, all these things that are just oozing out of my life. I start to get in front of this small, tiny congregation and just pour into them and tell them, hey, God's going to take us to great heights. We're going to do great things together. And the more I poured out vision, the more I poured out dreams, the more people hit the back door and left. We went backwards way before we went forward. And I remember one Sunday after a, a family in the church came to me after the service, right after I was done preaching, right after I was done sharing the vision, right after I was done telling them the great things God was about to do. I had a family come to me at the church and they said, Pastor, I want you to know this is our last day. We're not going to stay. And I went home. And we're standing in the kitchen and I looked at my wife. And I said, Jenny, is it over? Is it over before it ever even started? And she looked at me and she said, Daniel, God did not send us here to fail. He sent us here to succeed. Amen. I needed one word in my life. I needed one moment of encouragement. I needed one person to look at me with wild eyes and tell me, you won't fail. You'll succeed. Ladies and gentlemen, this is your moment. This is your time. This is the moment God's going to look at you. And he's going to send you out of this place. And he's going to say, you're, you're not going to fail. You're going to succeed. No one wakes up thinking a dream will die. We don't prepare for it. But sometimes they die. The lady in our story in 2 Kings had to watch what she had dreamt for die. She had dreamt her whole life to have a son, and she literally had to watch that son die. She had to watch the dream die. She had to, she had to watch the dream take its last breath. She had to watch what God had prophetically promised her die. And what do you do when... Dreams are dead. What do you do when it takes its last breath? What do you do when a dream becomes lifeless and you know it's gone? Well, it's interesting to me that the prophet had the answer. And the answer is when the dream is dead, you need to stretch. You see... You need to stretch God's yes over that dead dream. You need to stretch what God has anointed over that dead dream. But I want to caution you 
about something. Elisha commanded his servant to stretch Elisha's staff over the child, which caused the miracle to miscarry itself. You've got to be careful what you stretch over a dead dream. So Elisha sends his servant and says, here, take my staff, go do what I'm supposed to do, go take care of what I'm anointed to do, go and stretch this over the boy, and hopefully that's enough and this boy will come to life. Part of the problem was, was with the man who held the staff in the hands of Gehazi, uh, Elisha's staff became nothing more than a common stick. And so only what God has anointed can be stretched over things that are dead. Only what he has anointed. Elisha's servant might have been capable of stretching. I'm sure he had the muscle memory. He might have been able to stretch himself. He might have even been gifted to stretch. But was he anointed to stretch? And so there's a difference between the anointing and the gifts. There's a difference between being gifted and being anointed. You see, there's all kinds of gifts, and I don't have time to, to break this down. All kinds, we saw gifts up here. I'm using a gift right now, just speaking. There's all kinds of gifts. And the Bible says the gifts of God are irrevocable. In other words, they're without repentance in another version. They, God's not going to take your gift from you. But the anointing is reversible. I want to explain. Satan, the Bible said, had pipes coming out of his chest. He was the angel of worship. He was very gifted. And he was anointed to give God prophetic worship, is what the Bible says. But when he fell, he lost his anointing, but kept it. he kept his gift. The Bible says a man's gift will make room for him. So, so it will draw people to you. Your gift will draw people to you. But a gift will take a person where their character can no longer keep them. John Wooden, the famous basketball coach, once said, your character is what you really are. Your, reputa your reputation is simply what people think you are. And so gifts draw people to you, but the anointing draws people to God. It's okay to be gifted, but I'm here to tell every, every one of you today that what you need to seek after is the anointing of God. So gifts have the ability to bless people, but the anointing has the ability to break the, the yoke of bondage. The anointing has the power to resurrect dead dreams. The anointing has the power to do the supernatural. The gifts just simply, just simply have the ability to bless people with where they're at. And so God will not stretch your gift. You need to get this this afternoon. God is not interested in stretching your gift. God is not going to stretch your gift. You can stretch your gift. People will stretch your gift. God will stretch your anointing. God is more interested in stretching your anointing than your gift. And he may, ever, he may even stretch it more than once. Like the prophet, he stretched it once and he stretched it twice. So Elisha stretched the first time over the boy and there was nothing. Now I need to stop here for a moment because can you imagine this anointed 
man of God coming. There's this dead child laying on the bed he always sleeps in. He puts his body over him. He stretches. Nothing happens. Now, I know I'm not talking to anybody in this place this afternoon that has stretched and saw nothing happen. Like, every time we stretch, God does miracles, right? No. So here, uh, the, the prophet stretches over, and, and the first time he stretches over the boy, nothing happens. You have to live in God's nothing if you want to get something. You have to live in God's nothing moments if you ever want to get something. And so the woman with the issue of blood, you remember her? She had 11 years, 364 days of nothing, and she stretched one more time and grabbed the hem of his garment and was healed. The servant of the prophet uh, went six trips on nothing. He went out six trips looking for rain. And nothing, he could see nothing. But on the seventh trip, he saw a cloud the size of a man's hand. You have to survive the, the nothing moments. You know, there's another story of the, of the man Naaman. He, he had six dips, and before the seventh dip, it was the seventh time he was cleansed. You have to survive God's nothing moments. Because he went back, this prophet, he stretched a second time. See, there's times that it seems like the miracle is stalled out and it will not come to pass. But much can happen when we go again. And the word is when we become persistent with our stretching. Before that dead dream is going to be resurrected to life, there has to be a stubbornness that comes into your life that I'm going to stubbornly and persistently stretch until God moves through this anointed vessel. So you might be thinking, I've stretched, but God sent this gentle little preacher here today to tell you it's time to stretch again. You might say, but I, you don't understand, Pastor, I've been there, I've stretched, you don't understand, I go back to my church, I stretch. I go back to my family, I stretch. I go back to my workplace and I stretch. But guess what? God sent me here to tell you it's time to stretch again. So what does that word stretch mean? Well, the word stretch means you're capable of being made longer and wider without breaking. I Trust me, you are not as fragile as you want to give yourself credit to be. You're saying, God, don't stretch me anymore. I feel like I'm stretched too thin. I'm going to break, God. But listen, when you stretch, that word stretch means you're capable of being made longer and wider without breaking. It means to straighten or extend. It's a continuous expanse in your life. What does it look like to stretch? Glad you asked. You know, I'm a visual guy. Now, I told Dream On, these guys are always setting me up. Who can I trust to come up here? I got it. I'm sorry, my time's almost out. What does it look like? Come here, Nikki. Hurry up. Two seconds. Two, one. Time's 
So what does it look like to stretch? Well, I just so happen to have these chickens on me today. John, you getting this? Don't get the boogers on my nose. This chicken is you. Chicken. Look at your neighbor and say, chicken. She just called me a chicken. She just called me a chicken. These chickens are your life. How far can God stretch you? Maybe this one? Well, it depends on how far you want to go. Maybe this far? Maybe this far? How about this far? How about this far? How many think I can hit Jordan in the back row? Oh, sorry. Sorry, sound booth back there. God is stretching you. Come here. You too. Come here. You come to me. Yeah, you know who you are. Let me see that thing. This is a Gatlin gun, not real though. It's plastic. So don't nobody get nervous on me. This thing is full of things that are stretched. It's full of stretched. Rubber bands. And so, I know I'll go the right way. Watch what happens with when God stretches you. They still didn't get it. They still didn't get it. They still didn't get it. I feel like Gallagher up here. Does everybody remember Gallagher? Does everybody remember Gallagher? Okay, everybody needs to watch. If you're sleeping, you need to wake up. They said, Dream On team said, said Should, do you want us to help you hand those out? I said, no. Stretch! Hold on, watch this. Stretch! Y'all, see, that's the, you should not have sat in the back row. That's what you get for sitting in the back row. Here, John, help Stretch! Somebody shout that word, stretch. Come on, get your chickens out. Get a ballpoint pen. Get a ballpoint pen and write your name on the on the side of that chicken. Everybody got it yet? Hurry up, I'm almost out of time. You're gonna get mad at me if I go into the next session. Hurry up. Everybody got their chickens out? You got your chicken, let me see it. You got your chicken? Just take it and go like this a little bit. How's that feel? Does it feel pretty good? I know I'm crazy. I'm, I'm absolutely crazy. 
But I feel the anointing up here right now when I go like this. Like, listen, I don't mess around about the anointing. I feel the Holy Ghost when I go like this. Like somebody's going to get this today. All right, who's ready? Who's ready? Now listen to this. The old prophet prayed. And what did he do? He stretched himself. You stretching? He stretched himself over that dead dream. And I want you to know that there are moments that we all want to abandon hope. We want to give up. But I stopped by here to urge you today that I want you to stretch one more time. I stopped by here in Lyme, Ohio to tell you tonight or this afternoon. I don't even know what time of the day it is. I stopped by here to tell somebody you stretched, but God wants you to go back and stretch again. Come on. Somebody came in here and you crawled in here today. And you're like, this dream stuff, yeah, it sounds good. But I don't want them to pump me full of hope and send me home so I can fail. You're not going to go home and fail because you know why? You're going to stretch again. Amen? Amen. You're not, you're, God has not given up on you. And the Bible says that after he stretched again, the boy sneezed. It was the smallest of all responses. The boy sneezed. And it was for all, I mean, like, listen, today in the COVID world and everything, like, sneezing is the farthest thing from a miracle, isn't it? <laughs> it was a sneeze. It did not look like a miracle. It did not sound like a miracle. It did not smell like a miracle. But it was a miracle because that boy sneezed. And people do not define miracles. God defined miracles. He's the one that would define the miracle. So it was a sneeze. It was not a wall falling. It was not a river parting. It was not manna coming from heaven. It was not wine coming out of water. It was not a stone being hurled out of a, sw out of a sling. It was not a gate being carried. It was not a sun standing still. And it was not a sundial being reversed. It was a simple sneeze. And I came here to tell you that sometimes the miracle that you're looking for is simple. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. If you stretched and nothing happened, stretch again. But listen, a lot of times we're stretching because we're looking for God to do this big, great, huge miracle, like the whole dream coming to pass. Everything that I've hoped for happening all in a moment. But the truth is what God's going to give you is simple, and it'll be something as simple as a sneeze. There's nothing more simple than a sneeze. It's involuntary. You can't help it. It just happens. It was a sneeze. There's no education required for a sneeze. There's no talent required for a sneeze. There's no instructions required for a sneeze. When a sneeze comes, it just happens. It just comes through the, it just comes through the avenue of you being stretched. Here we are being stretched, and all of a sudden I'm not educated, I'm not talented, I'm not gifted, I don't have what I need, I don't have the right instructions, but all of a sudden I'm standing in front of me. So it was not much but the sound of a sneeze that the prophet heard and the dead promise came alive. 
The boys just wanted to shoot him today. You all all right? You can go sit down and shoot him later. I want to close. I want to close. But I don't want you to miss this. I want you to fast forward 11 years from when that boy was resurrected. Fast forward 11 years from 2 Kings chapter 4 to 2 Kings chapter 9. 11 years. And you'll find an incident, an, an incident, an incident, excuse me, in 2 Kings chapter 9 where Elisha needs someone to anoint King. And so in 2 Kings chapter 9, Elisha goes out to try to find somebody that he can anoint as the king. And while Elisha's out looking, if you do a little bit of research, tradition states and rabbinical teachings state that this young man who was chosen by the prophet Elisha and who was anointed as the new king 11 years later, was the exact same young man that he resurrected back to life. God had prophetically spoken to his mother and said, in a season when you are barren and cannot have children and can no longer produce, I'm going to put a promise in you. We understand that there's so many prophetic utterances in this story that go into the New Testament. But I'm here to tell you that God prophetically spoke to that woman and said, out of your womb shall come a promise. Out of your womb, everything that you dreamt will come to pass. Her dream became a reality. And once it died, God sent, a, sent the anointing and stretched it over that dead body. And when that boy was resurrected 11 years later, Elisha showed up and anointed him the king over the entire country. And get this, not only did he become king, but he was the one that defeated the nasty Jezebel. Can you believe that? God sent his word into a dead womb to place a dream that would come to birth. But sometimes our dreams that are born die. But it doesn't mean God's done. He said, I'll stretch again. So God sent the man of God back one more time. To stretch time and time again. Whatever the cost. However hard it's going to be. However many times I got to do it. I'm going to stretch time and time and time and time again. Because I know one of these times. An unusual miracle is going to take place. Miracles don't. Seldom ever, sweetheart, with the heavenly fingers. Miracles seldom ever 
look like what we want them to look like. So, <laughs> perhaps our expectations are making us stretch a time or two too often. Because really, I think God's trying to get us to be pliable. Uh-oh. Really, I think God's trying to get us to be a little more flexible. <laughs> really, I think God's trying to loosen us up and soften us a little bit. It's amazing to me that that prophet stretched again. And all of a sudden, that boy sneezed. And 11 years later, God placed his anointing on the boy. And he went into the most vicious territory and defeated a woman that every ministry deals with to this day, Jezebel. I don't know what it is that you came here today that you're wrestling with. But I just want to take a moment and pray for you. Would you stand with me? In the last session, we'll have a, we're going to actually have an altar call. It's okay that I say that. In the last session, we're going to have, a, I believe, a very, very powerful time at the altar. But they gave me the liberty and the freedom to do something at this moment. I just want you to bow your heads for a moment and just put your focus on him. I want you to think about your dreams. <laughs> Every dream. We're full. A lot of dreams. I want you to think about how hard it feels at times. I want you to feel about, think about how hard it feels when you're constantly wrestling, wrestling, wrestling. How it just feels like everything can be dead and gone. And I'm going to give you one invitation. If you're ready to stretch one more time, I want you to come down here and stand at the front. Come on. If you're ready to stretch one more time. Can you give them one more time? Are you ready to go back and stretch? One more time. Come on. 